Tonight, tonight. Why not? He'll make you think. I think I'm going to break protocol here, though. He'll make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because, I mean, I've been puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. And a welcome on in. It is Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Glad you guys could be with me here on this Tuesday. Oh, we got so much to get into. Glad to talk to you guys again. feel like it's been a really long time. It has not been a really long time, but it feels like it's been a really long time. As you guys know, as I told you before, I left for my brother-in-law's wedding. I was going to uh, I was going to be gone for a couple days just dealing with that and it was a very it was a wonderful wedding. It was fantastic. It was at the uh, the place of Reba McIntyre's old house in like this little tiny town in Tennessee that's like 30 minutes outside of Nashville. I had a couple responsibilities. I had to do a dance on Friday night, and I had to make a speech on Saturday night because he didn't have a groomsman party, and so basically my wife and me were like the de facto combo best man, if you will. Uh, it, it, like, it wasn't that way. It was like family speaking is all it was. But it's kind of like the role that we took on. So we had to make this big announcement and this big, this big speech and a big toast. And it went, it went really nice. I got booed, which is always fun to get booed. I brought up Duke basketball. They met at Duke. That's how I got booed. I didn't get booed because I like said anything crass. I just started talking about Duke because they met at Duke. And then I got booed because people there don't like Duke. And, you know, it was what it was. But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time. Yeah, I was nervous about it. I was really nervous, oddly nervous going into it. And I always find it funny. You know, people, they, they think like, oh, well, you, you speak for a living. This will be the easiest thing in the world for you to do. Now, I speak to you guys every evening. I don't do stand-up at hilarities. I'm not, a, I'm not like Tuesday night in front of 200 people. I, I, I speak to you guys, to thousands, but I speak to you guys. And honestly, the only person that sees, I, I, the only reaction I ever see is Michael Bohm's. That's it. I don't even see James Bridges' reaction. I see Michael's barely. Michael, uh, for, Michael's running the board tonight. And for those of you that don't know, the setup we have here, Michael's off to my right, and he basically looks like Wilson from Home Improvement. I can see, like, the top of your head and, like, a quarter of your head, and that's about it. I don't even get the full-on reaction from Michael. So I get, like, a quarter of one person's reaction. It's kind of, I mean, it's based, it is a live performance being on live radio, right? But it's not the same thing as public speaking. Way different. Yeah. Way different. But everyone thinks because I do this that I'll be great at the other. I don't see it being the same. It's like being Can't a, hurt, though. Well, all right. So let's put it this way. It's like being a baseball player. Like, if you're Jim Tomey, you probably, you can probably do a pretty decent job at playing in a rec softball league. You probably be, would be all right there. Some of the same skills translate, but it doesn't mean you're all of a sudden going to be the world's greatest softball player anyone's ever seen. Not necessarily. So I got a leg up on it. I came up with this idea, by the way, too. Quick thing. They should have a spot where you get to go to a comedy show or you get to go to somewhere. And I don't know, maybe you pay like 100 bucks or 150 bucks. You pay some sort of amount that is not tiny. So any, any, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry can't just go up there and do it. An actual amount of money that you would pay. But you get to go up there and you get to like try out your best man speech in front of a real audience before you actually deliver the real best man speech. And it's just kind of part of what we do, right? So like the, if you go to a comedy show, you understand, hey, I might get five minutes of this guy doing a best man speech. He's going to perform two weeks from now. But I went to a comedy show and so this is what I, this is what I signed up for. 
I, I, I pay $7 for admission instead of paying $10 because this guy wants to do a five-minute set on how great his buddy from college actually is. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a win-win for all parties involved. I don't know who should be hosting it. I immediately thought comedy spots, but uh, maybe we can workshop that. Maybe that maybe that's a business in and of itself, though. It's just like every day you get an audience, and then all these people that want to try out jokes in any sort of capacity, they can go ahead and, and like give their big pitch. But either way, it went great. Appreciate you guys reaching out. Thank you to Spencer for the job he did over that time. And uh, glad to be back here with you guys on 92.3 The Fan, as always. Now, before we get to some Browns conversation today, as we always like to do, I did want to touch on Tito. Now, we are going to talk about this in length when the Guardians games, when it wraps up. But I wanted to get this off now for a couple different reasons. Uh, One, because I didn't want to leave you guys, if you hadn't heard the big news of the day, just left in the dark. And also, it's pretty big news. It's pretty big news. I got to say I'm surprised. And maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm surprised. I do believe this was supposed to be Tito saying he's stepping away at the end of the season. And he all but said it for us without actually saying it. It it would surprise me at this point if Terry Francona, barring some sort of big playoff push, unforeseen playoff push, where they end up winning the AL Central and then make a deep run into the postseason, kind of like what they did last year. And we can argue whether or not the ALDS is a deep playoff run, but that might be a different story for a different time. Unless something like that happens, and it doesn't seem like that's going to happen, I, I would think this is the last year for Tito. Based off the comments that we heard today, based off of the the tone that Tito had, and you'll, you'll catch more of it tomorrow, 320. Some of the, the Guardians brass will be on afternoon drive. I just, I think he was in a unique situation where the the front office and him have been bickering all season long. They've been going back and forth. I mean, Ahmed Rosario is wearing a Dodgers uniform tonight, playing at Progressive Field in the other dugout, based off of the idea that the front office didn't trust him to hit him anywhere but in the two spots, so they had to trade him. Tito was very against that. You could, you could tell very clearly against that whole ordeal, how that went down. Felt like there was a lot of back and forth between the two sides. And ultimately, it feels like these one of, the, one of these situations where if the team isn't going to be uber competitive, and they weren't uber competitive, at least they're not showing you that they're going to be uber competitive based off of what happened at the deadline, then Tito is right in this scenario. Tito was always able to call his shot when he left and when he didn't. I just think in this sort of instance, if you feel like the front office and the team as a whole are truly going for it, you stay. If you feel like they're not, well, then you pack up your bags and you go home or you find yourself in a different situation. Now, I don't know how easy that would be for Terry Francona to retire from the Guardians and then turn around and then take a different managerial job, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did a Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy with the Giants, I mean, again, he is the Terry Francona of the National League, okay? Bruce Bochy is one of the best managers in baseball at the time. Steps away from the Giants a couple years later. All of a sudden, he's in charge of the Rangers, and now he's one of the best baseball managers. Uh, uh, excuse me, managing one of the best teams in baseball in Texas. Like, he just had to take a couple years, a little bit of a breather. Maybe it's that type of situation for Tito as well. I'm not entirely sure. I was convinced the man was going to die in the dugout. I was convinced he was going to coach and be a coach until somebody said, you no longer get to be a coach, and that would be 30 years from now. I'm shocked at how this went down, but I'm also not shocked 
only because if you're not going to be competitive, what is he doing there? If you're not going to really give it a go, what exactly is he doing there? Now, it would be obtuse of me to say that all Tito does is show up and watch baseball games in that job. I can't get mad at the guy that says all you do is show up and talk for five hours and then say a comment like that. You know, that guy that's always like, oh, well, you have the easiest job in the world. I meet these people all the time. I find it fascinating because I never meet anyone that's in like construction or in uh, an attorney or a doctor or just any, any, just, you know, any other job in the world. I never meet someone and be like, whoo, wow, that seems like you got the easiest job. But I meet people all the time and they're like, whoo, wow, that must be sweet. You just show up and talk for five hours. That's great. Like, no, it's a, it's a dream job. I do love it. I don't take it for granted. It's awesome. But it also is way more work than five hours. It's also way more into this than what I think a lot of you guys could ever even comprehend. The same way managing a baseball team is not, how hard how hard could that be? You're just showing up and watching a baseball game every day. Like I've told you guys before, my retirement job, because I'm in that generation that's going to have to have retirement jobs, okay? My retirement job is uh, its pretty simple, what I want. I want to be an usher at a baseball stadium. That's what I want for my retirement job. I want to be an usher at a baseball stadium. That would be awesome for me. Even that, you're not just going up and watching baseball every day. Like, Terry Francona's got to do so much more in being the face of the team and being on the billboards, being the only person that talks to the media twice a day, you got to be so much more than just a baseball manager and so much more than just a guy that quote unquote watches a baseball game and then you think would go home. I just it, there's so much more to the gig. Same way there's so much more to this gig than what maybe meets the eye. And I promise whatever gig you have out there, think of it right now. Whatever gig you have out there right now, I promise you can come up with way more things than what you just do in the descriptor. So everyone does it. Everyone does it. Everyone's job is a little bit harder than what the, it leads on and what the title leads on it to be. So Tito's tired of it. Why is he going to go through the grind of all this? And why is he going to go through the, the slog that is 162-game season if the team isn't going to be competitive, if the team isn't going to be very good, and it, they're basically going to sit on cruise control at 85 wins for the next five years. Now, it's a real problem if that's the mindset of Terry Francona, that that's what he thinks about this team, that there are going to be on cruise control for the next five years and go on 85-win season after 85-win season. But you tell me where you see anything different. Right now, they are way too much of a contact rate speed-type baseball team, when, and it's, it's just been proven. You can't be last in baseball and homers and expect to be competitive. you got to be a team that can hit the long ball. Ball goes far, team goes far. That's the postseason mantra, and the Guardians just aren't built that way right now. And until they get built that way, it's going to be really tough to win on a night-in, night-out basis. I love the young pitchers they have. I think there's a lot of good things happening with this team, but to get from 85 to, let's say, 95 wins, the way baseball currently is, it's going to take a lot of things changing, and it won't happen overnight, and I think, I think Tito recognizes that. We'll get to more of this later on. I just want to touch on it out of the gate. We're going to get to more of this a little bit later on. we got a jam-packed show here today, okay? Daryl Ryder at 920, as he always is. Fan Focus at 9 o'clock. Uh, Lee Steinberg, the, the super agent. He has been the, the agent for eight number one overall draft picks. He is Patrick Mahomes' agent. He is Jerry Maguire. Show me the money! Show me the money. That guy. 
Like, it's inspired after him. We'll talk to him later on in the 10 o'clock hour. We'll try to figure this all out with the baseball game, and I want some Tito reaction as well. So we're going to get it all in. But where I want to start with you guys is comments made by Peter King. So Peter King, I think he nails it when it comes to where everyone is and where everyone stands, but I like that he had the pulse on the Browns. Here we go. You know, you just can't underestimate Mike Tomlin. He always figures a way. And they've got a good enough defense, a burgeoning offense, and I don't know what's going to happen because it's a really, really tough division to predict. I mean, I can't tell you whether the Browns are going to win six or 12 because I can't tell you how Deshaun Watson's going to play. We can't really predict. We can be confident in Kenny Pickett. We don't know that either. So I don't know. It's I, I think I think the AFC North is borderline impossible to predict unless unless Joe Burrow comes back absolutely fixed and normal at the start of the season, which you know Zach Taylor seems to hint at that he thinks he's going to be fine and he probably is going to be fine. So, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. Is Peter King right? Is he right about the Browns? Is the AFC North, is it that boomer bust? And are the Browns that boomer bust? It's something we've been talking about for a couple months. I don't believe there's a middle ground for this Browns team. I think it's an 11-win team. That's what I projected out a couple months ago. But I also could see an avenue where it's a six-win team. 216-474 to below 92. We'll do it all next right here on The Fan. You know, you just can't underestimate Mike Tomlin. He always figures a way. And they've got a good enough defense, a burgeoning offense, and I don't know what's going to happen because it's a really, really tough division to predict. I mean, I can't tell you whether the Browns are going to win six or 12 because I can't tell you how Deshaun Watson's going to play. We can't really predict. We can be confident in Kenny Pickett. We don't know that either. So I don't know. It's I, I think I think the AFC North is borderline impossible to predict unless unless Joe Burrow comes back absolutely fixed and normal uh, at the start of the season, which, you know, Zach Taylor seems to hint at that he thinks he's going to be fine and he probably is going to be fine. So, you know, we'll see what happens. That's the voice of Peter King on yesterday with Afternoon Drive. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Glad you guys could be with me here on this Tuesday. Do you agree with Peter? 216-474-0092. Is he right about the Browns? Is he right about the AFC North? I'm so fascinated by the AFC North. I've been telling you guys for weeks now, I I can't figure out this division. I think it's the hardest one in sports to try to figure out. I think it's the toughest division in the NFL. For my money, I I know a lot of people want to throw the AFC East in there. AFC East is good. They're good. They're not the AFC North for my money. They're not. What I find fascinating is that as we've gotten closer and closer to the season approaching, the more and more confidence within the AFC North has popped up. And somebody in the AFC North has to suck. Football divisions are like pyramid schemes. We can't all get rich. Somebody has to be on, on the bad end of it all, right? Who, who is in your division and how they've played has shaped careers? Now, I talked about this with Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin has a little bit of what some baseball teams have had with the advantage of for so many years, and the Guardians are one of these teams. They win a lot of games since they play in the AL Central, and so for 19 times a pop each year in the regular season, they took on the struggling Royals, the Tigers, and the White Sox. Three teams that for the past six years haven't looked good. So they won 90-plus games every single year. It's how it worked. 
regular season All-Stars. Then in the postseason from 2017 on, they have won one playoff series, and that was last year in a three-game wild card. Aaron Rodgers has had this in Green Bay for my money as well. Aaron Rodgers beat up on the NFC North for years. He faced the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions, but getting the down on their luck, Bears and Lions a ton, you kept winning 13-game seasons. Go look up the Matt LaFour, the past McCarthy era for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. It was literally 13-win seasons, three straight years. It was just a nonstop win after win after win. And against the Browns, Tomlin has destroyed them. He won a span from 2007 to 2020 with just four losses to the Browns. It's unreal. He won 80% of his games against the Browns for over a decade. Your division helps you shape who you are in such a massive way. Three divisions last year had two 10-win teams. None had three 10-win teams. And every division had a team that was at least sub-500 winning on the year, except for the NFC East when Washington went 8-8-1, which is close to that line. As close to that line as you can possibly get. So I think your division matters a ton. And I think just by the fact that in a four-team division, you're going to have three teams be... I mean, again, this doesn't work across the board for any one clear-cut division. They, they, they come in all shapes and sizes, right? But for this AFC North, how I think it's going to go, I think the Bengals are going to be good. I think the Browns are going to be good. I would bet dollars to donuts. The Ravens aren't bad. I watched Zay Flowers last night. He looks incredible. I don't know how Lamar as a throwing quarterback is going to work. I'm still not sold. Hey, Lamar, you can tell me you want to throw for 6,000 yards until the cows come home. I... Not believing it. If I were to believe that that simply, first off, 6,000 yards is impossible. But if I were to believe it that simply, you could just call me a sucker. You just shouldn't listen to me at all on the radio if you think I'm just going to fall for that banana of the tailpipe. No, thank you. Not going to happen. But is Peter King right about the Browns? He says they're incredibly hard to figure out. I know they're incredibly hard to figure out. Are they hard to figure out because they're hard to figure out? Or because the AFC North is hard to figure out. And if we're, if we're trying to play this like musical chair game, where when the music stops, somebody has to be on the bad end of it all. Well, historically, in the previous half decade, the Browns have been on that bad end of it. Is the bet just simply put that they're going to be on it again? I can make another argument that the Steelers have been on the bad end of it as well. Steelers haven't won a playoff game since 2016. We don't like to talk about that for some unknown reason, because even here in Cleveland, it feels like Mike Tomlin walks on water for reasons I am yet to understand. Dude, last one an I, uh, well, last one a Super Bowl when an iPhone 4 was coming out. How many years do we have to go through <laughs> in order to prop up or put down a guy? It's, it's incredible to me. The statute of limitations should have ran out on that one a long time ago. But again, this is how this all works. But I want to hear from you guys. 216... 474 to below 92. Am I just, am, is Peter King right? Am I a little off my rocker? Am I sitting here? Am I, am I the one that's uh, uh, missing this one, slicing this one off to the right in the woods? Because I, I'm trying to figure this out. I think the AFC North is going to be incredibly tough. I know somebody's got to suck. I just don't think it's going to be the Browns. And the closer and closer we get to regular season games getting underway, it's odd because not much has changed. The only thing that's changed is now all of a sudden we have ourselves a kicker conversation. Not much has changed. But the closer and closer we get, the more and more confidence I have. I, I don't know how we got here, but we got here. Like I listen to Ken and Anthony in the morning all the time, right? 
and you know Ken's been updating his scale of wins and losses. I have been very hellbent from the time we played the schedule game, and I thought I was going to get accused of being a homer. I was ready for it. But you guys know me long enough. You guys know I don't play that game. I just call it how I see it. I, I said 11 wins when the schedule game got released. I said it's an incredibly hard first five weeks of the season. Three out of the first four against the AFC North, week five against San Francisco. That is incredibly tough. I love this team, though. And it's funny, I did. I went to the wedding for my brother-in-law over this past weekend, and I was talking to all sorts of different people. And, you know, it's funny, anytime you go to a wedding or anytime you go anywhere and, and you're a sports radio guy, it's like no one wants no one wants to talk to you about uh, Ukraine. You know, they, they, wanna, they just want to talk to you about sports, which is fine. That's honestly all I really want to talk about anyway, too. I, I, I sure I would I would hate you know wouldn't hate throwing in a uh, hey who's your top five favorite comedians from time to time it's not the you know I wouldn't hate that but I get it I get it asking me about the Browns is very on par for what's supposed to happen in those type of situations and I thought it was just interesting how I kept going back to this just utter belief and I kept going back to not only the belief that. Andrew Barry has and some of the the players that he drafted, but I just kept going, and I I was even surprising myself with it. And you know, tipsy me is where the truth really, really comes out. Is when I when I've had a, a couple cocktails, oh boy, we are really shooting from the hip. And I just I, I almost started yelling at people, like not seriously, but I was like, don't understand. Jim Schwartz is awesome when it comes to scheming out defenses. Joe Woods kept tripping over the garden hose. He didn't know what the hell he was doing. And what I thought was fascinating, I kept defending last year's offense. The one that was sixth in EPA, that one that was a, a top five at points with Jacoby Brissett, a top five points per game offense as well. I kept defending that offense because I know they were better than what that record showed. And I know that there was a lot of bad luck situational football that happened for the Browns last year. Saw something earlier today. Said that the, the Browns had... Let me pull this up, actually. I, I, I want to get this one right for you guys. This was, uh, this was courtesy of ESPN and Bill Barnwell. Browns ranked 27th in points per red zone trip on offense off uh, on off season last year. He says offseason, I mean offense. On offense last year. Down from a league average rate in 2021. And the NFL's third best performance during Stefanski's debut season in 2020. 27th in the red zone. 27th. When they were one of the best in all of football the year prior. It's incredible to me. Seven and ten last year. Their record in games decided by seven points or fewer, two and five. It's a much better football team last year, even than a lot of people want to give them credit for. I don't see how they get worse. At, at, at a minimum, Deshaun Watson should be able to replicate what Brissett did last year, and with a much better defense, this team, the sky's the limit for this team. But the AFC North's not going to make it easy. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Nelson and Avon Lake up next on the fan. Hello, Nelson. What's up, JP? Yo, what's up, Nelson? So much, man. It's such it's such low hanging fruit, right? Because what Peter King says is true, and and you know we can all be homers, and, and we can say, oh, Peter King, you're just you're hating on the Browns or whatever you want to call it, right? But it's such low hanging of the Browns, and and I'm talking short term and long term future depends squarely on how Deshaun Watson plays. 
no no ifs and buts about it. You can throw all the, you know, the, the, the defense looks better and we're adding more talent and the receivers look a little better. But if Deshaun doesn't play to the level that a, you know, a Joe Burrow or, you know, a, a Josh Allen, and, and notice I'm not going to throw my homies there because I think that dude is in a completely different level. But I'd agree with that. I mean, if you're not playing at that level or close to that level, we don't have a chance. And, and listen, I know Stefanski can, can coach an offense, right, because we saw the Browns, you know, signs with, with guys like Brissett and guys like Baker and, and others, right, when he was in Minnesota. So we know he can coach. But, you know, Deshaun's got to be next-level good for us to have a chance. If he's not next-level good, I don't know that we have a chance. And what we saw, at least what I saw last year, was nowhere near close to next-level good. I guess so I'd wonder, Nelson, because I agree with you a lot of what you say, but I, I wonder what you think then is next-level good, right? Is next-level good, is that like the same level as Justin Herbert or is that the same level of Derek Carr? What's next-level good for you? To me, the bar to get to where we want to get, it's got to be – it's got to be that Josh Allen. It's got to be that Herbert. Uh, again, uh, and, 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 and I hope that you can sense that I'm being careful, right? I'm not mm-hmm. putting him at, you know, Mahomes level. I'm not putting him at Burroughs You're level. You're close, though. You're Josh Allen level. That's close, Nelson. That's close. That's close. But let's be honest, right? Like, Mahomes is a completely different level. And, and, and I would argue that Burrow. You know, he's getting close to that level too. Now we do you, Nelson, do you, do you play. call him a homie with all your friends too, or is it with all oh, your homies? Of course, yeah, uh, of course, man. Okay. I mean, and, and listen, I'm not a Kansas City fan, but I, but I do I I do respect the talent, right? Of course. So the dude, the dude is unbelievable. So I, I, I'm just again, we saw the Sean play. What what was it like? Top top seven, top eight. When he was in Houston before top five that season, got, top five, top five, right? Yeah. He's got, he's got the talent. Can can he can he rekindle that and play at that level? I right. I hope he can. Hey N- hope- Nelson, by the way, we got Lee Steinberg. That's Mahomes' agent. He'll join us later yeah. on in the show. So be listening. All right. All right, I will be, man. All right. Thanks, Thank bro. you as always. Appreciate you. Yeah, Lee Steinberg. Patrick Mahomes' agent going to join us later on in the ten o'clock hour. We're going to try to shape it around when this Guardians game ends, though. We're going to try to like try to make it. We're going to try to dance around this and make this one work. You want to listen to what he has to say about Patrick Mahomes and really the, just the way the NFL is right now. He's also Dorian Thompson Robinson's agent as well, so we'll get with some insight into DTR and what he's seen. But I don't know that it necessarily all dictates, or excuse me, is all dependent on what exactly happens with. Every part of Deshaun Watson. Now, if Deshaun Watson vomits all over his leg, obviously that's going to be very hard to overcome. But I'm playing with the assumption that he's going to be, and it's a dangerous assumption to play with, that he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. I'm, I'm getting my eyes, on, uh, my eyes and everything else set on the other parts of this team and where the defense can really take us to another level. Because again, there is a situation out there where like last year, the offense was top five and they were. And the defense, because it was so bad, We couldn't overcome it. That's what I don't want to see us end up in, and I don't think we're trending in that area. 216-474-092. Is Peter King right about the Browns? Is this team boom or bust? Bear, Anthony, a couple of you guys hanging tight. We'll get you guys coming up on the other side. Daryl Ryder at 920, Fan Focus at 9. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on The Fan. 
All righty, back out of here on The Fan. We got Fan Focus at 9 o'clock. We got Daryl coming your way at 9.20. Right now, we're asking you if Peter King was right about the Browns. Is this team boom or bust? And I don't see 500 with this team. I don't see 8-9. and nine. I don't see 9-8. and eight. I don't see us middling in football purgatory where you're trying to find out what works and what doesn't work. This feels very boom or bust for the Browns, and I have been telling you guys for months now, I think it is more boom than it is bust. I told you 11 games. 11 games when the schedule game came out. That was the number I had. While also understanding that the NFL really tried to kick us in the chandelier with that opening week one game against Cincy. That is the hardest game we're going to play all season long. We get it out of the gate. It's not a two-foot putt. I don't think, honestly, I don't think within the first five weeks of the season, that's with the bye scheduled in between week four and five and the Ravens and the 49ers. I don't think we're going to really truly be able to tell you anything about this team until at least, what, midway through November? Because I, I think the first five weeks are so incredibly tough that I think it'd be incredibly unfair to judge any team based off that. And then once you get to mid-November, the season really does open up for the Browns nicely. Depending on what happens with teams like the Broncos, depending what happens, you know, maybe Anthony Richardson is just awesome and carries over what he did at Florida into the NFL seamlessly. I don't think it's going to happen that way. Uh, he had the same Josh Allen complex that uh, he had coming out of school as well, where I knew he could throw it over the barn. I just didn't know if he could hit the barn. Wildly inaccurate, but might be the most talented athletically from the quarterback position we've seen since Lamar, which is obviously high praise. Dude called himself Lamar Jackson. Or excuse me, called himself Lamar Newton. That would not be a combo. Uh, Lamar Jackson meets Cam Newton. Lamar Newton. 216-474-0092. It'd be easy to say this season all relies on Deshaun in order to make that happen. Like uh, the last caller we had Nelson calling in and saying it, it did. I just I, I believe it goes a little bit deeper than that. Because this offense was good last year. And I know there were some untimely interceptions by Jacoby Brissett. In particular, the Falcons game. The Chargers game, untimely interceptions. It was a good offense. Good offense. Sixth in EPA, which might be speaking Portuguese to a lot of you guys out there. Just understand, sixth is very, very good. And I know you understand that. 216-474-0092. Bear and Magador, next on The Fan. Hello, Bear. How are you today? How are you doing, guys? I got to shout out to my buddy over here in, in, in Randolph at the drive-thru because he's an avid listener. Nice. Right? So this is what I have to say. In this division, you need to get 12 games to get into the playoffs, right? You know what I think is ironic, right? Down there in the Buccaneers, he needs eight games to get in, right? So, yeah, yeah it's kind of ironic. Do we have an awesome offense? I'm really hoping that our defense is better this year, right? How about you? I mean, they got to be. They're, they're, there's really only one way for them to go, which is up there. But I, I just I love Jim Schwartz. I love with his defense. Listen, I don't want to yeah. make a big deal out about preseason. Bear, I'm not going to do that, yeah. but – I just I love the, I love what this defense can be, right? So here's the deal, right? So I'm not as scared of Pittsburgh with their teeny tiny quarterback over there. <laughs> uh, thing going on. Oh baby Don't hands! Laugh. I know, I know. Uh, and then as far as Baltimore goes, they got up people going over there. It's going to be tough for anybody to do that. And remember, this division we need 12 games, right? So we've been promised a very good quarterback, some tense couch, right? Mayfield kind of got there. Right, but he fizzled out, right? So now we need this guy to be the man. And what I've seen so far from him, he's coming along. Remember, if you've played football, and I have, uh, 68 and 9, I played on the practice squad, and the timing is everything. And when I played, the game was even slower. 
It's faster now, right? So it's going to take a while for him to get back in the rhythm, and I hope he's coming towards us, and I think he is. He's a young guy and very athletic. I think it's good. What do you think? Uh, you're exactly right, and, and thank you, Bear. appreciate you as always. The defense has got to be big. And I, I'll be the first one to tell you, you don't need an all-world defense. I think you need a good defense. You don't need an all-world defense evidenced by what the Chiefs did last year. But you need a defense that isn't throwing up on themselves every single game like they did last year. I could write a book about that Falcons game where Arthur Smith just knew, I just got to run the ball. 14 straight runs he had in that game. Browns had no answer, and he knew it. Can't have that. Two one six four seven four to below 92. Josh and Grand River up next in the fan. Hello, Josh. How you doing, Jonathan, this evening? Hey, Josh, what's up? Nothing. So your comment on boom or bust, I think it's boom this year. And the reason being is I look at our defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz. He is a phenomenal coordinator. I see him already in the preseason. I know people say preseason doesn't matter, but I see him fired up and fired up when the players make mistakes. I see that transitioning into the regular season and I see him when there are missed opportunities or missed coverages. He's going to let the players know that, hey, we got to do better. I feel that there wasn't any of that last year in previous seasons. So I say boom for this year, and I hope we see a lot more. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate you. You're right. No accountability. Zero accountability across the board last season. That's why at the end of the year, everything played out the way it did with Jadavion Clowney. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two fan focus coming up in about nine minutes. Anthony in Brunswick coming up next. Hello, Anthony. How are you? How you doing, JP? What's up, man? Right, I got two things I want to talk about. First off, I think Browns bust this year. This is coming from a Steelers fan. And also, Mike Tomlin. You put him not on a pedestal. I just don't see that. Can you explain that to me? I don't put him on a pedestal. What do you mean? What do you mean? How do I explain that? Like, why, why don't you see it that way? Hasn't won a playoff game in six years. Yeah, Listen, but... Huh? I, I think he's... Let me, let me explain one really quickly, Anthony. Really quickly. I promise I'll let, you, I'll let you talk. I swear. No worries. If aliens came down and they said, hey, we need somebody to be, to be a coach for the fate of the universe, like Mike Tomlin's on the short list, I think he's very, very good. I think he definitely gets the most out of the Steelers. There's no doubt about that. But I can also say getting to 500 and not winning playoff games, thats I, I'm not impressed by that, Anthony. That's fair. I can totally see that. And I don't know if that's all based on Mike Tomlin. Yeah. I think a lot of it's based on other – it's not just Mike Tomlin. It's coordinators, uh, play. Yeah, Matt Canada you sucks. All, you can't – what's that? I said Matt Canada sucks. There's no, no doubt Matt about Canada, that. 100%. You can't, you can't blame that on Mike Tomlin. Yeah. You can blame it on the front office and Mike Tomlin. You can't blame it on Mike Tomlin. Yeah, and I, I would say he's been in a bad situation over the previous few years where he had to go through, uh, you know, old Rigatoni Roethlisberger and that dead arm of his for the previous three. And then uh, he had, yeah. then he had yeah. to go through, uh, you know, Duck Hodges and all those and the Mason Rudolphs of the world to then get rookie quarterback and Kenny Pickett last year. Like, it's been that, that front office took a long route to get into where they are right now. That's fair. And I, and I totally see that. But I think we're there at this moment. And might be. And this, this next couple of years, you could see an exponential, ex, a huge growth. Sorry, you had huge it, Anthony. You, I, I believed in you so bad. I, I yeah. wanted. You, I've done that too. I've bailed on words. I do this for a living, and I'll be like, "Nope, took two chances at it. We're not going for a third. Right? You can't. Like, if I can't get exponential <laughs> out, what am I doing? <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate you, man. Yep. All right. Good level-headed call there.
I like that. I felt I felt he he understood the assignment, so to speak, right? He knew that I'm going after Tomlin because that's what I'm going to do. But I also have a fair, recognizable. Yeah, I almost did what he did there. I almost was like, are we gonna? What word are we gonna spit out here? He recognizes the fact that Tomlin Tomlin is good. If Tomlin got fired, thirty one teams would want. All right, not thirty one, but like twenty five teams would want Mike Tomlin as their head coach. It's it's more than half the league for sure. Probably more than three quarters of the league would would kick their coach out the door to bring Tomlin in. He's good. I know he's good, but at some point you got to be better than just good. If I'm going to talk about you like you walk on water, and right now that's all anybody talks about Mike Tomlin like, and I'm sorry, you're not Andy Reid, you're not Belichick, Belichick who's had his problems in recent years. You're just you're not those guys. Hey guys, we switched formats and became 92 through the fan August of 2011. And now we want you to help celebrate our 12th anniversary with us. Friday morning at 11, all of our primetime talk shows are going to be on one stage. Listen live on the Odyssey app and never forget to use the rewind function. Hear anything from our local shows over the previous 72 hours. By the way, winners of our online lottery to join our audience in person. Listen to these names. Tim Gibson, George Miller, Zach Randall, Brian Tata. I think it's Tada. I'm going to say Tada, Brian Tada, because that sounds fun, but it's probably grossly inaccurate, and I apologize to Brian and Michael Tonkin. See you guys all on Friday. Fan Focus, coming your way next right here on The Fan.